Hey everybody, it's Wade here, and yep, uh, you're listening to the Rules of Acquisition, and this is that uh, remix stuff where uh, we go in and we're listening to ourselves, and then we're talking about it later, but I guess you might know that. I guess this is an intro. Alright, well, anyways, you know, I'll be back at the end of this old podcast talking about it and you know you know the drill anyways see you on the back end enjoy the show Ractachinos, trillion legal presidents oh yeah the bocce ball of order o'brien's rollover vacation time oh yeah illicit affairs in the midst of alien revolutions oh yeah it's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm not even sure if I'm going to say it's the best TV show of anything yet. It's a great, it's the best. And if you don't agree with us, then you're wrong <laughs> yeah with me as always is james nolan hey guys and hugh crawford hey guys how we doing i'm doing well and i'm wade bowen hey wade uh okay so tonight we're talking about which is this the seventh episode uh yeah this is the seventh episode it's called dax it aired on uh, february 14th on 1993 valentine's day ironically oh uh, the IMDb description starts off, uh, sins of the host indeed, as Jadzia Dax is accused of a murder her previous host, Curzon, supposedly committed. Uh, this was written by Star Trek legend DC Fontana and Star Trek writer Peter Allen Fields. <laughs> uh, not legend, Peter Allen Fields. Right. Well, not yet. I mean, you know, Star Trek uh, legacy isn't written in stone yet. <laughs> Peter still has time. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no spoilers. We're uh, rooting for you, Pete. He might. So this is finally, after after seven episodes, we're finally getting a Dax episode. And this one also might as well be called uh, The Long Black Veil because it's the same. <laughs> it's the exact same plot of the Lefty Pharrell, Frizzell <laughs> song, The Long Black Veil. Um, yes. it, uh, I thought of that. Did you think about that too? Uh, yes. <laughs> I know it primarily as a Johnny Cash song, but yes. Uh, yeah. So do I. Yeah. Anyway, what do you guys think of this episode? Um, oh, I thought, finally, in an episode about ideas. Yes. Right. <laughs> but they don't answer them, which is the most obnoxious thing in the world to me. <laughs> the ending of this episode, like, I just want to punch it. Yeah. Because you're right, it's a it's the first episode they they really have about ideas. You have a complicated character that you've introduced already, so let's explore her complication, and implication, and identity. And they do all of this work, and they ask all of the questions. It gets you right up to the case, and then they like detangle it with just some bullshit, <laughs> which is fine but you could have answered the question and then detangled it with bullshit <laughs> sure i don't i don't think like because they're not asking like a, a great question of the universe they're asking a legal question how should the law sort of approach 
a character like Dax, and they get you right up there, and then they're like, "Oh, stop the court! We don't have to answer that question in this episode." Oh uh, yeah, yeah, okay, that is maybe a bit of a cop out. Somebody literally walks in when they're about to answer that question and says, uh, "There's not, it's not possible." <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. It is a. It's kind of a cop out. They kind of painted themselves into a corner and and. Mm-hmm. Took the easy way out. This episode opens up with voiceover from Cisco explaining that Chief O'Brien is back on Earth celebrating Keiko's mom's uh, 100th birthday. And then explains that the crew is trying to keep the ship from falling apart without him. And then immediately it cuts to two two crew members just sitting there drinking <laughs> Rappuccinos, not actually doing any sort of work whatsoever. Um, yeah. You guys enjoyed the first appearance of the Rappuccino? Rappuccino. I actually looked up a recipe on a Hughes bidding, and there actually is one in the Star Trek cookbook, and it sounds like coffee yeah it's a cappuccino right (laughs) Right? yeah so is this supposed to be like like an attempt by them because i think this is concurrent with friends right are they trying to like sort of create like a like a central perk type quarks is central perk (laughs) so that they can all kind of go and you know you know just hang out at your because you remember back in the 90s hanging out at coffee shops was you know right now they're like work offices but back then it was where you go and talk about Jim Jarmusch movies, you know, what cool people in the East Coast do. <laughs> I think they were trying. You think that it was some sort of attempt at like tapping into the youth culture? Yeah. Some like ham fisted 90s way of trying to. The early 90s zeitgeist for cappuccino. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right off the bat, Dax, Jedzia Dax, is kidnapped by a bunch of bad guys in power gloves. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? I got those ugly ass gloves, yes. Right. And Julian is completely useless uh, to like thwarting them. And then they they have the communicator issue where they try to locate her via her communicator and they took off the communicator. And this is something that sort of irritates me about the whole communicator thing. Why isn't there some sort of imagined biometrics for finding out where people are, right? Hey, the pin communicator was cutting edge. Yeah. You know, back in the original Star Trek, they had cell phones that they flipped open. Right. So they're like, hey, look at us being all forward thinking and okay, cell phones are not that cool anymore, but hey, we got a we got a little pin that you can just put on. So yeah, I don't know. But yeah, now it would just be biometrics. Well why don't they have bi- why don't they have biometrics? Because they have Curzon Dax's brainwaves on file that they can measure to Jedzia Dax brainwaves. That was established. So your biometric right. data storage is is pretty on fleek. So like, why don't you like set that up with your communicator? Um, I don't know. Uh, civil rights, maybe it's NSA. You can't have my brain waves being recorded at all times. Yeah, I, I don't know. That could be it, and it could be like a you know. I guess it could be a personal liberty thing where it's like you know, Cisco goes to communicate to Bashir through his little communicator, and it turns out that he figures out that Bashir has space AIDS or something, <laughs> and sort of violates his medical <laughs> privacy. Or you could tell that he's having a bowel movement, and it's a really bad time to talk to him. Yes. Like, oh, uh, I could see that you're elevated heart rate. You're under a lot of stress right now. You're bearing down on something. Is this a bad time? You have heightened heat levels coming from your GI tract. Yeah, the, the Rack the Cheeto gets the bowels moving. <laughs> 
especially early in the morning. Um, okay, so two things I noticed in this first scene. First off, they are still only characterizing Bashir by his trying to fuck a girl. Right. So every moment that we've had with Bashir that wasn't him facilitating a plot, seven episodes in, there is no character that he likes to try and fuck girls in coffee shops. That is the only character development we have from Bashir at this point. So just want to go on record point now. We don't even know if he's that good of a doctor. Nope at this point he's just adequate <laughs> yeah we have him freaking out when garrick is giving a back massage that's about it but that's even that is he's almost like weirded out because he feels like garrick's hitting on him in the first scene is what it seems like. yeah yes yes uh we know two things he likes to hit on girls at coffee shops and he is uh, uncomfortable around homoerotic spycraft. <laughs> uh, another thing is... But he loves homoerotic spycraft so much. He does, yes. Okay, so um, so I know that there are try- they're trying to like sort of set up that O'Brien's good at his job. Because everybody's got to be super geniuses at their job. But Dax has been in the Federation for, like, probably three, what, 250 years? Right. Does she not? I mean, why Why is she flummoxed? Why can she do a better? Why is it, like, because the whole thing's like, I'm, she's just so overwhelmed and confused by all of the stuff that she has to do that was O'Brien's duty. And I'm just, you know, this would be, like, the one time to show her as, like, kick-ass. Capable. <laughs> They're squandering that opportunity to show that she. Yeah, there's got to be someone lifetime of that trill that has been an engineer yeah you know she's been and her host has been to school for everything it is 250 years of institutional education yeah yeah you're right this this whole episode this is like hey we're excited to do a dax episode but she's not a very good actor (laughs) uh how about exactly. we do, oh, let's do a Dax episode where she doesn't do anything. <laughs> we'll just talk about her. We'll just have Cisco, our best actor, talk about her the whole show. There's a lot of, there's a few, like, really great scenes in this. I, uh, Cisco is very adept at using his political, like, looking at the political landscape uh, with the extradition, um, you know, rules for Bajor. He's very, uh, you get to see him think on his feet mm-hmm. really quickly. You get to see him work that tractor beam. You get to see Odo lean on Quirk to get what he wants. That was a good scene. Um, there's some good stuff going on here. This is also an obligation episode, too. Uh, it's in the grand tradition of the Star Trek uh, trial episode. Yeah. And With Captain Pike in the wheelchair and that Captain whole thing. Pike in the wheelchair. Or is, is, data, is Data a human or is a Data a life form episode? Oh, that, yes. that's the direct antecedent probably. Right? I think that this is the best trial episode. It's an extradition trial. It's not an actual like trial criminal court. They say that five times. This is, this is a hearing, not a trial. Yes. <laughs> right. 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 And I think this is the best one because it suits the station itself mm-hmm. uh, really well. Whereas, you know, on the in- the previous Enterprises, whenever they have to have a trial episode, uh, it feels weird because it's an adventure show. <laughs> and they're just going to have the whole episode in a room. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is a whole series where every episode takes place in a room. So the trial episode, the, you know, that they're, we're used to seeing out of Star Trek actually fits really well here. I think this is actually probably the best trial episode out of all. Yeah. It's not even a Starfleet 
trial. It's a Bajoran extradition hearing. Right. So they can... Bajor, who is marked by their use of bocce balls as gavels. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. And and that judge, it wasn't even a judge. What do you even call her? She was a judge. I think she was... We'll call her a judge. I don't know. Yeah, we'll say she's a judge. Yeah, yeah. She was fantastic. She was... She was fantastic in this episode. She's great. Yeah. I wanted to... Yeah. Well, first off, this might be why A Man Alone sucked so bad, <laughs> because they already had a trial episode into the pile, so they're like, oh, we can't do a judgment at Nuremberg for Odo, because we've got this Dax episode coming up. We've got our requisite trial episode. Oh, yeah. Right. So, which is a shame, because that episode blew, <laughs> but this one yeah. was fun. <laughs> Still, I think, the worst episode we have. Babel is pretty bad. I don't know. Yeah, Babel's bad. I mean, I just listened. Babel's the worst. Yeah, we all had problems getting through Babel, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to find that actress and who, what else she's done. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know because that was another, th- yeah, was she done Star Trek before? Because it feels like this is the kind of thing where they were calling in an old favorite. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me. Uh, she, she died in. 2001 she'd just done like matlock and stuff like that she was you know she's one of those character actresses that you see on just about everything in the 80s and 90s sure yeah no i definitely recognized her i thought it was interesting at this time in television you could still have old people that weren't sexy (laughs) you know (laughs) right like now star trek would be on the wb or something and they'd have to have everybody be hot young people this this role would be played by Celia ward or something yeah exactly yeah so i remember where i remembered her she's in the first season of curb your enthusiasm as mary steenburgen's mom Uh, oh yeah so and i remember those those episodes because they were they were my favorite of that season so yes all right yeah yeah nowadays it would be like Oh, we've got this older woman playing this judge, but don't you just kind of want to fuck her? <laughs> or it's like, oh man, don't do that. Just have like old people, you know, just have, yes. you know, gravitas. Yes. Because the 50 year old women would, or 40 and 50 year old women would be on TV shows. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be like Paget Brewster going for the grandma roles and everything that lately. Right, right, yeah. But um, I had some points on some of the things we were talking about early on about the setup. I really did I like, I mean, the show's got a really good energy, and it moves really, really good. And I actually have to give them credit. I mean, like, giving an episode that is about the character decks without having to sort of deal with a lot of Terry Farrell. I think I'm going to make a larger case here. I think that it was good for the audience because you get to like the character mm-hmm. without necessarily, you get to be intrigued by the character without having to deal with her. And also it might be good for her because she gets to like, she gets some backstory to figure out her character a little bit more. She yeah. gets some backstory and maybe she can start hanging on to it. Cause I don't remember her being a disaster in the later seasons. Me neither. I actually like her. Yeah. I like the character a lot and I don't remember her being particularly a, a disaster. So I, I don't know. I, I think maybe this was like someone on staff was smart about this and putting this episode together and giving it all to Avery. I mean, there's a lot of Avery Brooks in this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it's, it's a great Avery Brooks episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote my notes. He does the full Cisco press in this episode. Like he, every weird, weird trait, all of the stern stuff, all the goofy stuff. Yeah. Uh, only really one false note. And that's when he says, uh, if you were a man, I'd punch it. Damn it. If you were still a man, I, I wrote that down <laughs> as too. He was like, well, that is the word. Yeah. He's that's 
that reading. He was saddled by a bad line. Yeah, but and he was like, yeah. he he must have noticed it was a bad line because he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna put any energy into this. Like, yeah, he's like, damn it, if you were still a man, he's, it's like there's no. There's nothing behind that line. It's just kind of dead well, out of his mouth. Yeah, and like it's really the only thing he really admits up until that point that she's any different, really, than just Curzon Dax is uh, that he's he wouldn't hit her because she's like a girl. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. See, you know, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna spin this as it makes me like Avery Brooks more because he's like that line's stupid and it's sexist. Yeah. I know I have to say it. But fuck it, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm gonna say it badly. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> give him the benefit of the doubt and say, "Oh yeah, that was a decision," because he knew it was a bad line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not because he was doing bad acting at that point. Yeah, he chose. He to. chose to do that. Yes. Later in the episode, we've got Odo going to actually do some investigating, and that's yeah. interesting because mm-hmm. like that's what he's good at. It's like the first time we actually see him as an investigator that didn't require him to like pose as a lamp. Yes. Right. Like before, before his investigative skills of just, you know, him being, you know, camouflaged as something else, um, which seems kind of, you know, easy here. He actually gets to apply his craft a little bit. Yeah. Cause he's got a talent for it. Yeah. 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 I thought, I thought Renee Abergenois did a great job in this too. Cause like, I don't know. It felt like at first, like, when they Cisco's like Odo go to this planet which he gets to really fast but whatever yes I wrote that down because <laughs> in Star Trek they take weeks to get to places <laughs> right but he's like okay I'll go and then he's like at first Odo's like hey Dax probably killed this guy I'm all about justice Mm-mm. yeah okay I'll go but it's like oh he probably did it I say we send him off or whatever but then once it you know, Odo's sense of justice, once he realizes that Dax is, is probably not guilty, he's like mm-hmm. a man on the warpath. He's like, oh, I'm going to get this shit done. I mean, he's really good at his job. He's good at it. Yeah, yeah no, you, and, and it's really interesting to, to get that kind of characterization without it being like an Odo episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it was fun watching him when he's describing, like when he's talking about like Dax, who's been on the show, he's been on the, she's on his team. And then, like, she's she's accused of a crime, and all of a sudden, everything he says about her has stank on it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, his sense of justice and, like, criminal pursuit is so overbearing that it's actually, it's a, it's a joy. And he plays it so well that it's just such a joy to watch. And that's one thing that the series hasn't done very much so far, which is, you know, give other characters a chance to shine in episodes that aren't about them. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't. It it almost. It seems like almost like an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's so infrequent that it seems almost accidental that we get a great Odo episode out of this one. Except for Quark. Except for Quark. Yeah, they still take their time every episode to get their Quark in. Yeah, because at this point he's a supporting character, but he's also probably their favorite because yeah, he's fucking great. Yeah. So they probably every writer probably has their favorite person there where they get excited about writing a cisco episode or whatever mm. so they're like oh this i'm gonna make it all about this and throw in quark because he's awesome but he's the best character so i'm gonna i need a supporting character i'll just make it quark because he's the best yeah but they don't care about the other ones but this one even if maybe it was a cisco dax episode but you know i don't know it might be just a testament to the actors just pulling, just doing a good job with it. I don't know. I think, you, yeah, I yeah. think you get the seal it because they're dealing with like DC Fontana, who was like a, it's true. Yeah. C, you know, not only, not even, a, not, not just a vet of Star Trek, but a vet of 
70s and 80s television did everything from like Bonanza, the Six Million Dollar Man, to like a lot of things. If you look at her IMDb page, she worked oh, on a lot of different shit. And um, it seems to me that it was they were happy to like, ooh, look, a proper script. <laughs> like we can work off of. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And, and sort of like, let's just go to town on this. And it was even like things that I normally don't like. Because I've said before, okay, that I don't like Kira. I think that they're giving Kira's having to convey a lot of personality and emotion and storyline through very sort of basic lines. That she has. Right. Was Kira in the? Was she in Kira's this in this episode? Yeah, she, she she's serviceable in two different scenes, and they are both. Yeah, she's great in this. They're both Cisco focused scenes. She's background, but she she has an interaction where she's been tasked to go find any case that involves trans trill criminal. Oh right, prosecution. Yeah. Oh, right. And that's when she pushes him to like, do you want you know what if I find out that it that trans trill criminal can be prosecuted? And they're like. He's like, then that's the wrong answer. And she's like, and she gives him like a look. She pushes him to the edge of like his rash to, to make the moral choice. Yeah, yeah. Then she does it when he's cross, when she's the examiner of him on the stand and she's serviceable. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does her, you know, everybody's doing their job in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even when um, Terry Farrell at the end, she, she does have some actual acting in this episode where, yeah. episode where she's not just being quiet and she does a good job. Yeah. Like with her Cisco scenes, like that. I wish you were still a man, damn it. She's doing a better job than he is in that instance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was some good stuff here. I I think until the end, whenever they've raised all these questions, until the end, mm-hmm. until, uh, and they shut the door on all that. This was like heading towards like a plus episode territory yeah right? my anger towards this episode is an elevated anger it's that you know you brought a higher form of of television into this episode so i'm going to hold it's not like Babel, which i was just banging my head against like oh my god everything about the storyline is so <laughs> awful i actually have like right and like you know it got it gets to a point where i'm invested in the in how this is untangled and and all of those sort of interesting ideas of self they even bring like a little like 36 mystery into it it's all super interesting and then i'm just banging my head they ever they just took the easy way out yeah and the one line at the end about how that guy died is the most infuriating <laughs> thing i've ever heard of what the the, the the dax's friend and uh that he the war hero that he went i thought that was no he went to the rebels i don't understand it he went to the rebels with a plan to betray yeah. the people of whatever country whatever planet they were from right 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 and the rebels turned him down and killed him for offering it yeah Okay, the fact that the rebels killed him. Yeah, when has that ever happened in history? Yeah, actually, yeah, that's that's true. They're like, oh, yeah. Even if hey, these rebels probably deserve to win. They're people of moral <laughs> character and standing. They if, even if it's an honor choice where they were like, "Fuck you for betraying your." We don't we don't do business with people who betray their own people. You still send him back because he's probably still a, he's probably still gonna gum the works for the, your opposition. No. Yeah, you make it where the wife or Dax had to kill him. Yeah, if that's the secret they're keeping. Yeah, not that because it's nice. I like the fact that Dax wasn't like a treason, and it wasn't the wife necessarily either. Even though Dax, it could have been a way that they were doing it if Dax was protecting her because Dax was still in love, still loved her, mm-hmm. and Dax didn't want to 
portray her treason, that would have been an interesting way to do it. Yep. But I like the fact that both of them are t- protecting, she's protecting her friend and the wife is protecting her husband who they loved. Yeah, no, I agree with that. If they had to be the one or someone, one of them had to be the one to, or them together had to be the one to actually kill the guy and that's what they don't want to talk about. But yeah, it is a bit of a cop-out to say, oh yeah, and then the rebels killed them. The rebels killed them. Because it would have been awesome and worked in their favor had they not killed them. Right. It's like, oh, huh? How does that make sense? Yeah, nothing about that makes sense. I had to watch that three times. I'm like, am I hearing this right? <laughs> like, Because it's one line. Right. At the end of the episode, while they're, they're walking to get a Rocaccino. And I was like, that can't be the explanation. And it was. And I was like, that's <laughs> yeah. stupid. Yeah. And I know that the, the show heavily implies that he's not just a traitor, but he was like abusive or something. Do they? Eh. Uh, yeah. He doesn't, yeah. He doesn't know his father. I knew the man. You know, there's a way oh, of like, yeah. that, I mean, she put stank on it in a way that it was more than, that basically that he was just a brutish man. Right. That's, yeah. Right. I, do they have to do that because they, to like say Dax wasn't a complete cad for sleeping with his wife because he was actually an asshole. Sure. But it was also his best friend, Dax Curzon, Dax's best friend. So who cares? Like, you know. Yeah, I. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, so yeah, but they don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they don't need to make him a abusive person. And isn't Dax? I don't know. That wasn't Dax there in his capacity as a Starfleet commander, probably or officer. I I don't I'm not quite sure what Dak Curzon Dax's actual Starfleet capacity was. Period. Like I don't know what Curzon was in Starfleet exactly. Yeah, it's not exactly clear. Maybe they bring that up later. Do they do? They yeah. go into. There's more Curzon Dax later in the series. I just don't remember it very well. Yeah, they talk about him more like he was like a contract. Cisco was a some sort of subordinate of his, wasn't he? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cisco was like a and, and now the like a lieutenant or or he was yeah, I mean he Curzon takes Cisco under his wing. That's established. Right. Oh shit, it just occurred to me, did Curzon Dax die on the, the Borg ship? No. I don't think so. No. It says he died two years ago. Yeah, that's true. It could be that the 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 writers maybe intended that, but I don't feel like they followed through Yeah, on that idea. I mean, because the idea is in the first episode. If they wanted to do that, they could have just put Curzon Dax on the ship, the Saratoga or whatever the hell it was called that got blown yeah. up. Like, he could have just bit on that ship. Yeah, and you would they would have had to have bring up some kind of... Cisco would need to bring it up. It's like, man, I lost my wife and I lost my best friend or something. Yeah, like, know? he that could have been more fuel for his hatred of Picard. Right. I think... I think they go into how Curzon Dax died okay. later in the series, and I don't think it has anything. I think it is a natural death. He lived a good life. Okay, I think. Well, I knew he was an old man, you know, because they yeah, could. Yeah. Actually, but what you're saying would have been more interesting if if it he had been, actually yeah. if he had actually died, and they were both suffering from like the same post traumatic stress syndrome and having to like <laughs> yeah. deal with that. You know what? Like seriously. Yeah, no, that would've been really interesting. If Jadzia, if Jadzia Dax had died on in on that same Borg attack, that would have given her character a lot more interesting stuff to work with throughout this series. Right. Sure. Yeah. 
No, I totally agree. Yeah, that yeah, they did the first episode and they had an arc and he's over the Borg thing and then they're just moving on because it's 1993 and you don't have character arcs in long-running <laughs> TV shows. Exactly, yeah. Everything has to end. It's like a sitcom, basically. If it's not a soap opera, you know, they have to start back from the status quo every time or something. Yeah. Which is partly why I find this show interesting because this is where that starts to bend a little bit as far as where we are in television. Right. Exactly. So, okay, why don't they explain whether... Why, it seems like to me, just from a dramatic standpoint and like something that would satisfy me, if at the end of the day, they laid out this case that I'm interested in, and at the end of the day, I felt, yes, as much as I don't want to see Dax get on trial for this, Cisco lost that argument. She is liable for the crimes committed by Curzon Dax. The show moved me to feel that way. And I feel that I feel like the the, the the little guy with the weird weird ears made really good points, even though he was you know even though they were clearly playing him as a villain through the whole episode. And I I think at the end they should have just said yes. And at that moment, everybody's resigned to the fact that Jedzia Dax is going to go on trial for treason and murder. Yeah, and then and then the mom could come in and everything can unravel. So that that gets you out of like the consequences for that decision. But I felt like every fiber of this episode was moving to that moment. That moment where Cisco loses. Yeah. Where he doesn't win. Yeah, I feel like probably in the writers room they're like we're asking a big grand question. We want a, the audience to decide what the answer is. I feel like that's probably the blade. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably what their thinking was. Yeah, but it isn't that grand. It's not, but, you know, yeah. they probably thought they were asking really big ideas and, you know, like, oh, it's like our pro-life episode or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it is a big... We, we can't answer this. Yeah, it is, it is a big idea because they're right. They created an interesting character with these conjoined races. And they should explore every possible sort of philosophical ramification to that. But I don't know. I I think philosophy asks a lot of big questions. Right. And at the end of the day, they answered them. They might be wrong or they might be right. But if you read through Plato's Republic, Plato asks a lot of questions. But at the end of the day, he gives a lot of conscriptions to a lot of problems he makes decisions and he has a point of view not just through the questions and so i would have liked this show better if at the end bocce ball lady would just say no i'm convinced you're curse on dax because the whole point his last so basically that's what you would change about this episode yeah yeah though i do like at the end of the episode when they in the trial uh -huh. judge lady is given some pretty serious side eye to Jadzia. Yes. <laughs> when the wife comes in, says, "No, I was sleeping with him." That this judge man, I don't know. It's like it's. I mean, we talked about sex positive and sex shaming Dax before. Uh. <laughs> the judge is pretty sex shaming. She's like, "You slut, you <laughs> slutty like, lady." Right. She just there. That side eye. Oh man, she's throwing some shade, and I loved it. <laughs> she had a lot of great lines. God, she was great. Wade, what would you change? I mean, I. I would have, I don't know, I like this episode a lot. I would have, um, I would have maybe, uh, I think what James's points were good. I would have maybe had Jadzia do a little bit more, maybe. Right. <laughs> you would have cast a better actress as Jadzia. No. Well, yeah, no, I think, I think when she, 
she does okay in this episode when they she actually has lines. She's fine. Uh, oh, oh no, I know, I know exactly what I've done. I wrote, the, yeah, at the end, I know it's 1993. You couldn't do this. They totally cop out when the wife comes up and is like, "Oh, Jadzia," and Jadzia's like, "Oh, I did love you" or something. And then they should have fucking made out or had a goodbye kiss. Not made out. That would have been too much. Had but a, they're like, a passionate moment. Yeah, they should. Yeah. There's like, oh, she brushes the hair yeah. over her ear at the end. And I was like, I was like, no, they should kiss. They, sh- they should kiss right now. They should do that. You're so right. Yeah. But it's yeah. 1993. They can't have a lady, lady kiss, especially with a hot, young, hot lady and old lady. And not only that, but that feeds into the whole idea of are they the same or are they different? Exactly. Her passion right. for mama. What were the, mo- the mom? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't write any of Tasco or something. I didn't write their names. I forget the name. But yeah. anyway, so the mom, like her passion for that would betray some sort of answer to the question of is Jedzia different than Curzon? Right. I would have had them say, I do still love you other than the way they do it now is like, oh, I still remember Curzon Dax's feelings for you. Mm-hmm. So I remember those right. feelings and that's what I'm still hung up on. I want to say, no, I'm. I'm a different host, but I still have, you know, those feelings for you. And then I would have had them kiss at the end. All things be, you're right. You're right. All things being different. 2015, they kiss. Yeah. The the writers write that in. And it's fun. Totally. Because it's intriguing to watch a, a pretty young woman have a lesbian kiss with a very old lady with ear things. Like. Yeah, no. With temple gills. Yeah. And like, that would be really. You're right. That would, yeah. And that that was what the show needed. You're right. Not just this episode, but that's what this show needs. This show needs some weird. And it gets weird, but it doesn't have any weird right now. Yeah. The show, and that would have. It's never edgy. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be edgy. It's not even edgy. Not just because it's a lesbian kiss. Yeah, it's, it's almost boring now. Right. It wouldn't be edgy now. It's not. But in 93, it would have been uh, really out there, I it guess. It serves a character. It go, ties back into the theme. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. It would give your clamoring sci-fi Star Trek LBG mm-hmm. community, LBGT community sort of something to to like you know and like it would that you're right. Good good call, Wade. Yeah, so that's what I would do. What's yours, Hugh? Yeah, um, <clears throat> mine is I'm gonna. I hope you guys are sitting down for this. Uh, <laughs> I would, uh, I would actually, I think it's a cop out. They already kicked O'Brien out of this episode. What else do you want? No, that, that's actually it. I think it's a cop out <laughs> to not have O'Brien in it. I would actually find a way to put O'Brien. In wow. It. Because here's my thing. I don't like, and there was an episode where he was filming, um, Con Air. That's fine. If, if that's, if that's what it is, that that's fine. But mm-hmm. it's weird whenever it's weird whenever you don't have one of your main characters. <laughs> you know, you went with with O'Brien as like a mainstay and then, you know, seven episodes and he can't show up for work. It's weird. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I didn't know he's filming Con Air. That's all I thought. I was like, I don't like the fact that O'Brien's not there. It's weird. That's what I would change. Yeah, I think he's out of the next several episodes. Because he's filming Con Air or something. Con Air came out. Oh, man. Maybe he's filming a movie. And I and I get the feeling that probably since it's early on, that might have been in his contract. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that's why they wrote him out. But to find a way to stick him in. Yeah, they're trying to. Des- yeah, they really want to keep him on. He's like, I'm doing movies now. They're like, OK, we'll work around you. 
And yeah, you're right. Probably he could have called in at some point, <laughs> right? So, so you're starting to warm up to uh, O'Brien there a little bit, Hugh. You you starting to like the guy a little bit, or are you? Yeah, just like, no, I just don't like. Did you miss him? I I just don't like the. It's on principle that I that I don't like the fact that he's not there. It's weird whenever a character is not used <laughs> for an entire episode. It bugs me whenever Jadzia in like the O'Brien episodes has one line. Yes. The, it makes me feel like they don't know how to utilize all the tools in their toolbox. Whenever you have characters missing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, I think like on a show like, well, you don't want to see like O'Brien become Guinan, you know, because clearly Star Trek was working around Whoopi Goldberg's schedule. She was doing them a favor or, you know, and, and I, right. you know, and I, and I, and I get that she really wanted to be on the show because I've heard her talk about how Natalie Nichols was like really important to her. But um, not Natalie Nichols. What's her name? Natalie Nichols. <laughs> Michelle Nichols. <laughs> Natalie. Who's Who's Natalie? Natalie Nichols was my boss at Barnes and Noble. Can we cut that? Up? No. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. I can't believe I forgot that, James. <laughs> Shout out to Natalie Nichols if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Nichols. Michelle Nichols um, was imported to her, so she wanted to be on Star Trek. But she's doing them a favor. She's an Oscar-winning actress. Who was in a star in Star Trek early on, but I yeah she's busy she's busy to see uh, he is a bigger role yeah, she's busy dating Ted Ted Danson at that point right yeah I think maybe she was with Ted Danson sorry that has nothing to do with this I'm sorry I brought up such gauche and instead of with uh, Skeletor from Hammer Films Masters of the Universe never mind <laughs> no. <laughs> but no I think that that's a yeah I I don't know how you deal with that. Uh, or especially early on. Later on, I mean, I'm sure he, they played stronger arm with him because I know he's made other movies after this. So, mm-hmm. but I do get a sense that over the course of these podcasts, Hugh's hatred of O'Brien will lessen to where eventually O'Brien will be his favorite character. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's most of what I got for this episode. Let me see. Oh. Oh. I don't. Uh, I, I feel. I figure a lot of people are probably watching this on Netflix if they're watching Deep Space Nine at all. Uh-huh. Um, if you notice, the Netflix description is completely wrong. <laughs> they got the wrong episode. Oh, really? They what probably is... had it wrong forever because you know this has been up. Yeah, they the Netflix description is um, some creepy trill dude is watching Jadzia Dax on the station. Oh yeah, yeah, that is completely wrong. Yeah, hmm. she's I guess being watched by the people that kidnap her later, but yeah. that's a later episode with another trill watching her. I remember that. Yeah, wait, isn't there an episode that... where the trill who didn't get Dax comes yeah, after? Yeah. Spoilers. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's like oh Netflix, get your shit together. Yeah, Netflix, you fucking that's suck. <laughs> But that's it. Speaking of, okay, one thing I All right. one thing I noticed, oh. one thing I noticed that I would say is that Facebook apparently doesn't exist in the twenty fourth century. <laughs> because sure. she was like, "Where's Curzon?" And I and and he, oh, I was like, "He's been dead for two years." That is something that she she's never cyber stalked him on subspace Facebook before. Yeah, well, Facebook, you know, right. MySpace didn't. Ex- I don't think they had Friendster at this time in I know. in the real world. <laughs> it's just fun watching like technology. It's- she would have totally been like on, a, you know, she would have totally seen that, you know, on somebody, <laughs> yeah, some yeah. friend would have posted Curzon died, everybody. Oh no, yeah, and then- send your prayers up for Curzon or whatever. <laughs> and- <laughs> 
Yeah, that's part of the fun of Star Trek, I think, is seeing what they didn't get. <laughs> All the technology that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. there's so much stuff that they're like, oh, when we have cell phones, like, <laughs> or now the next thing with 3D printing, nobody shuts up, up about replicators, you know? Yeah, that could like, actually well, be a whole get... section on the show. Is like a future's past sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Keep an eye out for that later yeah, on. If there's a anything. future's past occurrence. All right. No, I'm done. I, I This episode was good. This was a good one. Yeah, I like this one. My irritations right. were of a higher level. All right. You've been listening to the rules of acquisition. Um, you know, do all that stuff that you're supposed to do when you listen to things and like them. Oh, yeah. We have a, uh, we have a Twitter and a Gmail. Get on with that. <laughs> yeah. Do, do it. it. Do it. Three to, Three to beam out. out. Yep. Three to beam out. <laughs> All right. Forgot about that. <laughs> Please follow us on Twitter at Acquisition Pod. No kickers podcasts actually. Send us an email at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, so that was Dax. Hmm. <laughs> so just jumping in. I. You know, uh, the last time I did this, I think I went on, I went on for a while, didn't I? Well, maybe I will this time, maybe I won't. Anyways, let's get into Dax. Uh-huh. <laughs> these go, these old episodes are fun to listen to. Not fun in that the audio is bad, but, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is, and it's getting a little bit better, I guess. If you've got, like, uh, cheap, you know not fancy headphones on i think it sounds a little bit better maybe don't listen to this in your stereophonic hi-fi systems or but or, or you know listening to it however you want but i'm happy that you're listening anyways dax dax what what happened in this thing <laughs> um things that get set up that we this it's just different listening to these old episodes so the tone of everything that we have is so different uh, and we weren't as combative with each other. We might disagree, but, uh, you know, it, I don't know. It's just a different tone to, to where we ended up, which, you know, the world changes, we changed. So, yeah, I, I find it interesting, the whole um, journey or arc that we went on with the show, but that'll probably come up a lot more in these remixes. It's funny that uh, we, I mean, this episode we're pretty you know pretty okay with it like a little bit mixed i i wonder if like we covered this in a later at the end of the podcast if we did the same episode how much more vicious we might be to it because of just our changing standards or just wearing thin or whatever but you know like this is like oh, okay it's a fine enough star trek by the numbers, they're doing new things. I think we talk about, like, with the uh, trial episode making sense. Uh, it's funny that I think you said, oh, this is, like, finally they, they make sense, and they're, they're kind of forced in there. It's like, and But at the same time, like, I think nobody's arguing that this is better than a measure of a man or anything from TNG in some ways, but in some ways it might fit the settings a little bit. I mean, this is... And also, I mean, DC Fontana is, yeah, legend... I think we still respect that. Uh, it is funny, as for, as, for as much reverence as we end up having towards Peter Allen Fields, this is the first Peter Allen Fields mention, I think, that we had on the pod. And we're like, well, you know, time is has not said yet whether he's a legend of Star Trek. And, well, I think it has, actually. I mean, with the 
Inner Light or whatever the TNG episodes that he worked on, and you know, and Duet and stuff on that. You know, I think at, spoilers if you're not l- listened to all of the ROA. At the end of it, I think we put him on the MVP All Star list of like our favorite writers, maybe period for the show, uh, right there at the top. Anyways, uh, yeah, um, Coffee Culture and DS Nine. It's interesting. I miss. I miss. I'm. I miss the old uh, unjaded coffee shops. I don't know. In the '90s, I, James and I, especially when we were in high school, hung out at a lot of coffee shops, and you know, we make mention of the Frenzification and cappuccinos. And now it just feels like I don't know. Every Starbucks feels kind of. I don't, well, I live in Brooklyn. It's the land of coffee shops. So what the fuck am I talking about? But I don't know. It's just not the same as it was in the '90s. I guess. Oh, I'm getting nostalgic. Oh. The nostalgia is death, but oh well. Oh, uh, you know, old people in this. I still like, you know, Peter Allen Fields and DC Fontana aren't exactly young when they wrote this, but then also that Bajoran Judge or whatever. Again, she's great. Um, I think we're we're very nice to every all the uh, cast in this. I mean, I mean, this is the the Dax episode. It's called Dax, and you know. I guess we're setting the stage for how, uh, you know, early on in the ROA, we were pretty, pretty mean to um, Terry Farrell, which, you know, deserved or undeserved. She may have did seem a little bit over her head in the acting in this, but at least, you know, I think we get extra vicious maybe later on in this one. We'll call it out and say, oh, she's not, you know. But then we're like, oh, but you know what? You know, good for them for giving her time to. Uh, try to get the character around her by not giving her any actually uh, acting lines to do much in this episode. So, I mean, we're, we're still a bit nicer. Uh, the cop-out ending, uh, again, I miss kind of the how would we fix it stuff. I think we, I think we've nailed it in this episode. Yeah. That, that cop-out ending, I feel like we would have been a lot more brutal and angry about at the end of the podcast than we are in this one. We're like, well, you know, this is a pretty good episode up until the end, shanks it. It's like, okay, yeah. I wonder if we would have, how much we would have felt that later on. Uh, Curzon, we were like, what the hell is Curzon even in in Starfleet? Oh, well, he's an ambassador to the Klingons, but I guess, well, there's a lot of things that the writers don't know about the show right now, and that's probably one of them. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so many ideas for Dax squandered. And they are. You know, there are a lot of things that the Dax... Some of it kind of gets brought back up later on, especially, like, say, in Rejoined. I feel like uh, we even talk about some of the, like, Dax's relationship with the Widow. Uh, and presages a lot of stuff, I think, that we say later on in the rejoined episode seasons later that does right and then we didn't exactly have that in the back of our mind when we were doing this one it's kind of interesting the things that we wish this episode does i actually to an extent later dax episodes kind of do do still a shame i still like that they still think they should have made out at, or maybe not even made out they should should have kissed at the end of this you know a chaste lesbian kiss would have been nice but, you know, it is what it is. Oh, well, they, they, at least they make up for it later. It does need more weird, like Jane said. <laughs> and <laughs> Natalie Nichols. Uh, I love those times when we get names wrong. 
you know, it's, it never gets old to me, but I think Natalie Nichols was my favorite one. Um, and we get a, uh, we get a Skeletor reference to the actor who played Skeletor in the He-Man Masters of the Universe movie. Frank Langella gets a stealth mention here as a, a reference to him having dated Whoopi Goldberg or something. That really made my day because of, uh, of things that happened maybe at the beginning of season two of DS9 and becomes a recurring, for me anyway, it feels like a recurring thing that we come back to. Maybe like, maybe not for you guys. Maybe it was only five times that we did it over the course of the whole pod. But that Skeletor reference, put a pin in that. And then segments that got left behind the... What would we fix it? I missed that one. And James brings up, maybe we should do a futures past segment of technologies, you know, that aren't aren't in this future because they weren't in 1993 or whatever. But nope, that maybe that would have been a nice um, segment to put in there. But it, I feel like it got mentioned here and never again. Uh, so yeah, comparing this to later episodes and even the. Uh, voiceover, the robot voice at the end. I've kind of cut it out a lot of these remakes because it feels kind of so just mean and to the fans, like where he's like, "What's wrong with you? Don't you have better things to do to listen than uh, listen to Star Trek podcasts?" I've cut that out of some of this because it just felt cruel. But then he was like, "Wait a minute, you know." In these early episodes, it feels like a tongue-in-cheek kind of joke, and then now it feels like we've gotten kind of so mad at fandom in some ways that I don't know. I don't want to, well, you know, I, I love all of you for listening so much and, you know, I don't want to insult you, but you know, maybe, maybe we should all look at our, uh, our, uh, attachment to fandoms and wonder, like maybe we could just be attached to stories or whatnot. But, but Hey, I mean, I don't want to tell y'all, Hey, you, we're all sci-fi nerds here. Right. Right. So, I mean, or not, but I guess, you know, do all this stuff. Um, I will say that what are we doing now other than these remixes? Well, we've been pretty hard at work reading books. And for the other Kickers of Elves podcast, we have the Hashish and Superiority Book Club. You probably may have heard us talk about that or if you follow us or anything. Last season, we did Alan Moore's Jerusalem, which is a big, huge tome of a book that can really... Uh, wear you out. Now, I finally picked a book, and I guess we can go ahead and release it. I'm going to tell you what it is. Maybe maybe this is a sci-fi writer that you're more familiar with, or maybe you don't want to read all 1,200 plus pages of Jerusalem, but you're okay reading like 800, 900 pages of a book, because the new book for the Hashish and Superiority Book Club is, drumroll, Neil Stevenson's Fall or Dodge in Hell, which uh, the writer of Snow Crash, if you're a big sci-fi fan, maybe you've heard of him. Anyways, yeah, so check that out coming up probably next week. We might start dropping that, and, uh, you know, I won't belabor it too much, but I'm pretty excited about that. It will not be quite same the same tone as we had on uh, Jerusalem, but I will say no more. You can hear more of that later and do all the things that all the other podcasts want you to do. If, if you're not as much in books, again, I, I would implore you to go to the Patreon 
at patreon.com slash kickers of elves. And even if you don't care about Alan Moore or reading big long books, we talk about like TV shows and everything else that we might be up to, other books we might be reading. Uh, and, you know, if you like the show and you want to support us, whether you're a Star Trek fan or not, especially not, man, honestly, if, you know, we've got a lot of stuff that on the Patreon that you might like. And that's that's my pitch and for all the other stuff I were doing. And uh, again, thanks for listening. I love you very much. Um, I hope that didn't come off too weird. And goodbye. Oh, oh you can give us a call too at 917-408-3898. But all right, I've said enough. One to, to blast off, beam out, or, you know, the end. Goodbye. You can turn this off now. It's pretty pathetic that you are still listening. Do you not have friends for a hobby that is not Star Trek podcast related? That is possibly why people are fearful for the future of our society. We believe in you. We know you are better than this.